hello and welcome to History with Jackson. Today we will be looking at Edward IV's son and successor, Edward V. Now as always, we will look at who he was, what his early life was like, what his reign was like, his death, and then bring that all together to make a judgement on whether he was a good king. Now if you are enjoying this English and British monarch series, please make sure to like, subscribe, share and review this video or podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It really helps History of Jackson grow and helps other people listen and learn all about history from different ages. So I'd really appreciate it if you were able to do that. Now, without further ado, let's start learning about Edward V. So who was Edward V? Edward V was born the 2nd of November 1483 to Edward IV and Elizabeth Woodville. He had a strong educational background and was learning how to fight to become the perfect Renaissance king. So what was Edward V's early life like? Now Edward, like his father before him, was born into a difficult political situation for his father. And he was born at Westminster Abbey in 1483 as his mother was in sanctuary, in safety, away from the Earl of Warwick, the Duke of Clarence and Henry VI's Lancastrian army. And he was born in sanctuary as his father had just been usurped or removed from the throne by the Earl of Warwick in favour of Henry VI. And he was born with just his mother present, obviously, as his father was away in exile, rebuilding his strength and army in Flanders, ready to retake the throne. Upon his return and his restoration to the throne in 1471, Edward IV would make his young son and his heir, the Prince of Wales, to firmly make a point that Edward V was his heir, was his successor, and to remove any confusion as to which dynasty this would be. This would be a new Yorkist dynasty away from the power of the Lancastrians. Edward also bestowed more titles and land upon his young son as his son grew older. Edward would later inherit or be given the title of Earl of Pembroke. These titles were to give Edward, young Edward, more power and more land and more money in an attempt to make him politically and financially independent from Edward IV. Edward V was raised in the household ran by his uncle, his mother's brother, Earl Rivers. And Earl Rivers was responsible for his education and his education in fighting and sports. Now, as we saw last week, in April 1483, Edward IV suddenly died. And this meant that Edward, the young Edward, the Prince of Wales, was now King Edward V. And he was proclaimed 
King Edward V after his father's death. Edward IV's will outlined that Edward would be his heir and his brother, Edward IV's brother, Richard Duke of Gloucester, would be the Lord Protector for Edward whilst he was in his minority. The naming of Richard Duke of Gloucester as Lord Protector followed royal precedent in which the closest blood relative to the king would be the Lord Protector in a in a chance of a minority government. Richard Duke of Gloucester was to rule England on behalf of Edward V with a council until Edward came of age. Upon hearing the news of the death of his father, Edward V, with Earl Rivers and a few others of his uncles, rode to meet the Duke of Gloucester. Upon meeting the Duke of Gloucester, Richard arrested the rest of Edward's uncles and later had them executed. Having Edward V in his possession, from as we've seen in earlier episodes, meant that Richard, Duke of Gloucester, held the power of England, not just through his title as Lord Protector. Upon returning to London, Richard placed Edward V in the Tower of London, in the Royal Apartments, as his official residence, but this was more of a imprisonment. Richard, Duke of Gloucester, later managed to convince Elizabeth Woodville to give him Richard Duke of York to put him in the tower alongside his brother. This meant that Richard Duke of Gloucester not only controlled the king but he also controlled the heir apparent both of who were children of Edward IV. Richard at this point was now the main power in England and the king was barely a month into his reign. Whilst Richard was ruling on behalf of Edward V, he began to undermine Edward V's position. He firstly claimed or renewed old claims that Edward IV was illegitimate and that their mother had had an affair that resulted in Edward IV and that Edward IV should not have carried on Richard, Duke of York's claim back in the 14th. 60s and 1450s. He also claims that Edward IV already had a marriage contract in place before he married Elizabeth Woodville. This made the marriage between Edward and Elizabeth illegal and resulted in Edward V and Richard Duke of York as being illegitimate offspring within an illegal marriage. Richard also managed to renew claims that George, Duke of Clarence, had been attainted, which had, had, had happened. But as Duke of Clarence was older than Gloucester, this meant that the Duke of Clarence's children should be ahead of Gloucester within the line of succession. Richard, Duke of Gloucester, then claimed that as George, Duke of Clarence, had been attainted, this meant that his children were barred from succeeding to the throne. And he painted himself as the ideal candidate to take the throne within 
the minority. And in June 1483, Richard successfully managed to usurp Edward V. After Richard's usurpation of the throne, very little was seen of Edward V and his younger brother within the Tower of London. They were moved deeper into their tower. This was now not a residence, it was imprisonment. And they were barely seen by guards from June, July 1483. Now, there are many theories as to what happened to the two young boys, the young king and the young prince. And in the 1600s, there were two skeletons found in the tower and it only exacerbated some of the claims made by Shakespeare and contemporaries. Firstly, there is one theory that Richard, either himself or through an order to another, had the two princes murdered. This was to strengthen his own claim to the throne and to remove any threats from the two young princes should they get to their majority. A second theory is that Edward V was ill and that once he died in the tower, Richard, Duke of York, was either murdered to reduce any threats to Richard or that Richard, Duke of York, escaped the tower after Edward V's death and tried to stake his claim to the throne later on. There are also theories in this area that Perkin Warbeck was actually Richard, Duke of York. There is also another theory floating around at the moment that both princes were allowed to be released from the tower upon the condition that they did not challenge for the throne and did not challenge Richard or later Henry. And some historians believe that upon recent evidence that Edward escaped to Devon and lived out the rest of his days in safety away from London in Devon. However, we will never truly know what happened to these two young boys. There is a headstone in Westminster Abbey outlining that within an urn there are the remains of the two young boys. The Richard III Society wanted to do the same kind of analysis on these remains as they did with the remains of Richard III. However, the church and the queen refuse this kind of analysis on the remains as they do not want to disturb the remains of the young boys. Furthermore, they do not want to set a precedent for DNA testing on the rest of the remains within Westminster Abbey. Now was Edward V a good king? Now I'm sure many of you agree with me, but I do not feel that there is enough evidence to make a claim on whether Edward V was a good king. In fact, he never even ruled. He was in Richard, Duke of Gloucester's possession almost immediately from the beginning of his reign. He was never coronated, so he had no personal rule, and everything went through Richard, Duke of Gloucester. So I do not believe there is enough, enough, there is enough evidence to make a judgment on whether Edward was a good king. I also do not believe there is enough evidence to 
make a judgment on whether Edward would have been a good king. He certainly had a good education in becoming a good Renaissance king and he certainly had a good example in the second half of Edward IV's reign as to what a good king looked like. But I do not feel there is enough evidence to make a judgment on whether he was a good king or if he would have been a good king. Now finally, I just want to make a couple of book recommendations for you guys to go away and read more on Edward V. Firstly is Dan Jones's masterful Hollow Crown. I think there's a lot of good information in here, a lot of good guides on what happened throughout this period and very easily accessible narrative style history. And secondly is my favourite sailing guide to the English and British monarchy. It is Gwen's Kings and Queens of England, an indispensable guide to the history of England and her monarchs. So I really recommend both those books. The links to those books will be in the description below. In the meantime, if you want to keep up to date with everything History of Jackson related, please head to the description below to find all the social media links. Down there you'll find our Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and Twitter. And if you want to keep up to date with everything History of Jackson related and access all of our content, podcasts, videos, blogs, head to www.historywithjackson.co.uk Thank you very much for watching guys. If you enjoy, please like and review, share and I will see you next week where we will look at Richard III.